everybody. It's Danielle Riendo here from FanWith, and we have another very special episode today. Uh, it is not a usual FanWith. It is another developer interview, which I had the great pleasure of interviewing Anna McGill, who was the narrative lead on Control. And we talked at length about the Threshold Kids, which are the sort of deranged, wild, incredibly weird utterly delightful puppet show that's in the game that you sort of find on all these videotapes. Uh, so Anna walked me through the whole sort of creation of the Threshold Kids, how they came to be. And uh, one quick note, as usual with the interview podcast, we're not in a studio, so the quality is not quite the level you're used to. Uh, it's, it's quite readable, I think. We certainly normalized it and all that kind of stuff, but it's not, you know, the top quality. These are sort of phone interviews, that kind of thing, so don't, don't be too mad about that. And also, Anna is currently not at Remedy, so she is not an official spokesperson for Remedy or other Remedy games, anything like that. She now works at Ubisoft, and we did not talk uh, at all about about uh, Ubisoft Massive or anything like that. So just those two quick notes there, audio quality being, you know, not quite what you're used to. And also that Anna here is only here to talk about the Threshold Kids, uh, not here to talk about other games. Uh, she asked that I just make that clear in the podcast so that everybody is uh, happy with the interview and everything is all squared up. So without further ado, here is Anna McGill, uh, the narrative lead on Control, the incredible game, obviously, from Remedy Games. And we're going to talk about puppets. Basically, I know I've, I've certainly read your blog, I, I read your Twitter, so I know a little bit about the origin story, For but for our purposes here today, uh, can you kind of walk me through the original pitch for the Threshold Kids and their, their sort of real-life origin story? <laughs> um, it's complex, um, not surprisingly, um, but in the very beginning of Control, when we were still sort of creating the rules of the world, uh, we used to have these meetings where we would sort of try to figure out how things worked, you know, what was the oldest house actually doing, and we wanted to make sure that was consistent. And when we would talk through sort of these underlying philosophies of it and how that was going to be, we realized that some of these ideas were very complicated. Um, and, you know, sometimes trying to explain it to other people on the team even, they would get confused. And we're like, well, how are we going to relay these very complicated ideas to players in the game so that they understand what's happening to them? Like, they need to know why the house is moving around, for example. How do we explain that? And we, you know, had the whole, explain this to me like I'm a child uh, <laughs> sitting there uh, in meetings sometimes so that we could make sure that we were being clear to people. Um, and then Evi Kornholman, who was our, our narrative designer, um, who worked with me on the, the World Bible, um, said, oh, we should just use hand puppets and spell it out to people and that would be clear. <laughs> but that idea just inhabited my brain. It just like set up a camp and lit a fire and just made itself at home and it would not go away. And I just kept thinking, I'm like, a puppet show. Yes, it's got to be a puppet show. <laughs> and when I first started pitching this idea of these puppets explaining these complicated ideas, um, no one was buying it. Like it was just not, not going over very well. The idea of, at that time it was sock puppets. 
of just two sock puppets with some yarn hair, you know, saying these ideas in a, a AAA game was just not, not, <laughs> not Remedy style. Let's say they are. Sam Lake is a very cool individual. Um, he's very um, got a a very David Lynchian uh, sensibility about him, and sock puppets were not part of that. So, <laughs> but he humored me and did not shut it down. And it was always like, okay, sure, I'll consider it, and then would like run away. Um, and so I, I had a feeling that it probably wasn't going to happen, but I kept trying and I would just bring it up to people all the time going, we should totally have that puppet show. Imagine it. And I would sort of send people links to ideas of what it could look, look like. Things like don't hug me. I'm scared. And Kirsten Lepore's high stranger <laughs> were just a little bit off and a little bit weird, but not necessarily in a, in a, bad like overtly horrifying way like it wasn't overt horror it was that sort of weird creepy pasta stuff um <laughs> and they were like yeah i i can sort of see that you know but sock puppets um but i know it was, it was not easy to get that idea across but i really i was determined and you know people kept talking about it like oh anna over there in the writing room with her idea about these puppets <laughs> and it finally um got to mercha perdia who was on the cinematics team and he wandered over to the writing room one day and he's like i hear you want puppets um, i know something about puppets and it turns out that the town he grew up in like puppets were a form of art and they would put on these elaborate puppet shows in his town, and he was a master puppet maker. Like, the odds of it were just wild. <laughs> so I showed him the videos of what we wanted to do with it, and um, he watched just a few episodes of Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared, and he was all in. All in. And so he went away, and he made some puppets, and I was expecting him to come back with, like, some, you know, popsicle sticks with, like, you know, paper cutouts on them. And he came back with you know, what you know is Topher and Meg. And they were so amazing. And we all would just go and look at the puppets occasionally. And we're like, they're beautiful. They're beautiful. And he's like, these, these are trash. These are garbage. These are nothing compared to what we do, you know, where I come from. But obviously you've seen them. They're perfect because they need, they need to have that homemade look because the conceit in the game is that um, they were made by an employee there who maybe not so great at um, <laughs> took maybe a community college course in it or something. Um, so they weren't supposed to look professional. They were supposed to look like something that someone with a slightly warped mind uh, put together. Um, and so we had the puppets. Um, then we had Heli Saloma, who made the um, wonderful costumes for them. And um, so the next were scripts. So I sat down and I wrote out the sort of basic ideas for what I wanted, all of the beats that I wanted to cover, the information I wanted to relay, the sort of narrative design of these puppet shows. And I handed them off to Clay Murphy at that point, who is the uh, senior writer at Remedy. And he punched them up with that amazing dialogue that everyone loves, like no interruptions. Um, and we polished that into screenplays and gave it to um, Mircha. And he and the cinematics team made the, the glorious uh, VHS quality uh, <laughs> that, that you see in the game. Um, yeah, and then they were just put in at, at key places to explain some of the ideas that are um, about what's going on in the oldest house. Oh, that's so incredible. It, it just sounds like being 
you know, like just not giving up on your idea was kind of what got it through here. And also, of course, a little bit of serendipity with, you know, having a, a, a team member who knows what they're doing with puppets. But Master puppet maker on staff, what are the odds? Um, but I, I, I love this story because what it's really all about is the, the sort of the magic of collaboration in games where someone has a great idea, but every person contributes something to make it even better. Yeah. Like every step of the way, my little janky sock puppet idea got better and better and better. And everyone added their own talent to it and their own great ideas to it. And so we ended up with, I mean, when I saw them in game, you know, the, the theme song didn't exist when I left um, and they had put them into the locations in the game. So when I saw them for the first time and saw them at the credits, I mean, it was a revelation to me to, to see it that way. So just seeing how much they'd grown from that first, hey, we should do this with sock puppets idea. It was I, I was in tears. It was wonderful. Oh, that's that's really really incredible, and I always I always wonder that as you know a, a person outside of the making of games, at least for the largest part, um, where it's like when you see the final product, is it is it always like that, or is it like, oh yeah, I've seen this a hundred times a day for you know the last three years, sort of thing. So it's really cool to hear that for you, this was like, oh my god, I, you know, seeing the finished product was that cool for you. It, it was. I mean, I think a lot of the times when you're looking at a game that you've made, um, all you see are the things that, that weren't, <laughs> the things that it could have been. It's hard not to see that because you've had this platonic ideal in your head of what the game should be, and nothing can ever achieve that, right? Um, you can still produce really great games that way, but, you know, sometimes it's just not what you hoped. But this was definitely something that surpassed that. And if I can add another yeah. to this whole Threshold Kids saga, um, <laughs> I have an older brother, and it has been my mission as a younger sister to torment him as much as possible. <laughs> um, that is my role in life, and I, I revel in it. So I have put him into every game that I have made in one horrifying situation or another. <laughs> Um, so my brother's name is Christopher McDonald, so Topher and Meg. Yes. Um, yeah, and for me, my favorite moment is where he's getting crushed by the house. <laughs> and Uncle Mr. Bones comes in and isn't exactly sympathetic to him. For me, like, how am I ever going to top that? How am I ever going to talk my brother that well? In uh, Death of the Outsider, he was the journalist who gets beaten up. Oh, Oh, that's yeah. amazing. That's so cool. Yeah, I'm glad you think so. Because I told him about it. He's like, what have you done to me now? I think that's beautiful. That's like your, you know, that's like your Hitchcock, um, yeah. you know, kind of moment in every movie. Yeah, it's my tribute. <laughs> truly, truly wonderful. I, I really love that. Um I don't know how much you you had to do with the um, the actual sort of design of the puppets. Can you talk about that at all? Or uh, well, yeah, I had some very strong ideas about how they should look. Okay. Um, so when we were discussing this, I mean, the main point for me was um, their sort of basic physical characteristics. Um, that we gave them an age. We gave like sort of a, a description of their personalities. Um, obviously, I wanted, you know, Meg to have red hair and Topher to look sort of um, wide-eyed and innocent because <laughs> it just sort of matches their personalities and for other reasons as well that people who have played the game might have, 
you know, made some connections with. Um, most of the rest of it, I, I left up to him. My only real caveat was that they needed to look, you know, like something someone there had assembled. Um, and then he just came back with that brilliance. So, yeah, just incredible melted, melted face of men. Just so good. Yeah. And the heart inside Mr. Bones's uh, like skeleton yeah. cage, just oh, so delightful. Yeah, my idea for him was that he, um, I don't hope I'm not giving anything away with this. I don't think so. It was just my original concept. Yeah. I have no idea if this is in any way related to anything in the game. And this is a huge disclaimer at this point. <laughs> but only in my original concept, he was uh, someone who had been crushed in a um, house shift. Oh, no. Because um, we had uh, ideas at one point that, you know, there would just be skeletons that were just forever moving around inside the house. And eventually <laughs> some of them would just get coughed out again. Um, and that, that was Mr. Bones. Nice. He's a, a cautionary tale, if you will. I, uh, I love that. I think that's incredible. I also wanted to ask about, uh, is it uncle Dr. Bones? I forget the Dr. Uncle Bones. It's, a uh, Mr. Bones. Gotcha. <laughs> That's, that's Clay Murphy being brilliant. Uh, it is that was gorgeous. A twist to put that title on, that little paternal touch there. So so good. I guess avuncular rather than paternal, but yeah. <laughs> um, did you have anything to do with the decision to have a doll face on his face? <laughs> or was that, that... That was all, all Mircha, and the first time we saw it, we are like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> it grew on us and it made perfect sense with what we wanted for that character. So, um, yeah, again, when I talk about this alchemy, this incredible confluence of people's brilliance, it's moments like that where someone just takes something that you've thought of and takes it to that next level. And that, that's what he did with that element. It's oh, amazing. Uh, can we talk a little bit more about sort of the development of those characters? You mentioned uh, having ages, having like a, a little bit of a worldview on life. Um, and that certainly comes out, uh, I think, in in the videos. Uh, but can you talk at all about about uh, Topher and Meg and how they kind of uh, how they kind of came to be? Um, well, I was, again, they, they serve a narrative purpose, and I think that's yeah. what I'll probably address here um, in yeah. the sense of what we were trying to achieve in terms of delivering information to, to players, and that is delivering these complex subjects in a, an understandable and relatable way. So we have Topher, who's a little bit naive, um, who asks a lot of questions and doesn't really understand what's going on, so things have to be explained. And then we have Meg, who's a little bit more savvy, who's clearly been around a little bit more and perhaps, you know, knows all too well um, the darker side of, of what life is like at the FBC. And the, I think the collision of these two personalities, especially um, when you see them being lectured by, by Mr. Bones in, in a classroom, or you see them trying to come to terms with a, a redacted letter and the news that's in that, you know, it's that interaction of the naivete meeting this sort of grave uh, wisdom that that Meg has, this hard-won wisdom. Um, it's I think there's something really poignant in those moments. Yeah, especially that uh, that one with a letter, which I think is it actually was not my first Threshold Kids video, but I think it's a lot of people's uh, first. I, I encountered, uh, God, I don't even remember which one. Maybe it was uh, uh, What to Do When the Building Shifts, but uh, 
it's it's that teardrop i think is maybe the single most uh both sad and horrifying uh visual element in in all of it uh which is just so good it is just so so good also somehow like horribly wrong and funny at the same time yes. so, so janky and wired and I I, I actually have that a, a gif of that and I look at it occasionally just yes. to because it's so it's, it's, it's bigger than her face yeah. I think it's like or, <laughs> and it's like cloudy and it's weird <laughs> Yeah, that's not right. Um, but she's so sad. Yeah. It's, um, and I think it's it's the the threshold kid's unwillingness to sort of dwell on the horrors, the sort of briskness with which it, it glosses over these really horrific things in some cases. Um, it's that's part of the magic for me. Yeah. I think that's absolutely beautiful. You mentioned a couple of series. I did want to ask, uh, you know, so you you mentioned Kristen Lepore's Incredible, and I will absolutely like link this in the in the piece. And of course, uh, don't hug me, I'm scared. But one of the things that came up for me, uh, and this may have just been a, 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 you know, just this is my brain, uh, was the first season of um, Channel Zero, Candle Cove, which was about like a horrifying evil puppet show basically i don't know if you ever watched that or if that was any kind of influence or or that kind of uh was in your brain at any point while making this um interestingly it was not okay i had never heard of it and it wasn't until um control came out and people saw the puppets and like oh this is this is absolutely inspired by candle Cove. and i was like (laughs) i should check this out and then i did um, but I think some other people on the project were probably aware of it. Um, like Abby Cohonen, the narrative designer, um, she was very plugged in. She's the SCP fan on the team. Um, <laughs> and uh, she, I have no doubt that she was aware of it. Um, so it's possible that there was that influence, but not consciously. Sure, sure. And, and that always, like, yeah. influence nobody can ever quite... Right. Like that's that's very much like a cloud in the in the in the ether. Right. So it was just something that came up for me. I mean, I knew that sensibility of it anyway, that sort of creepypasta stuff that inhabits the dark corners of the Internet. I mean, it's not like I'm a stranger to that. So certainly um, it's possible that at some point in the past I saw it and just, you know, subconsciously acted on it. But it really wasn't on the surface when I, it was don't hug me. I'm scared, particularly yeah. the time episode that was hugely influential. Um, that and, um, Oh, which one is it? Uh, the be creative one. Oh yeah. Ideas or imagination or yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, that one about green is not a creative color and there's just like this weird, um, I, I'm pretty sure Mr. Mr. Bones's personality arose from some of that yeah. bad teaching. <laughs> it, it's really lovely, and that entire genre of like puppet mm-hmm. puppets gone wrong, I guess, or yeah. maybe not yeah. wrong. I it's hard to say, right? Like it, there's a wrongness to the aesthetic, but it's not necessarily like oh, this entertainment is yeah. I mean. Is that something you always enjoyed, like, as as something that's, like, in the world? Like, is this always something you've watched? Is it always something you've sort of gravitated towards as an aesthetic? It, it is. One of the things that really 
attracted me to control generally was um, was that sort of that weirdness to it. I mean, the slogan <laughs> over my desk was make it weird. And I've always been deeply attracted to things that were anomalies that didn't seem to fit quite with the rest of the world. Like when I was younger, I read those, you know, unexplained mysteries books, um, <laughs> you know, and I, I have, you know, I always watch those videos of like, how is this possible? You know, this man wasn't there five minutes before. And now, um, so I, I am attracted to that, but I think more importantly, everyone on the team was attracted to that <laughs> yeah. in their own sort of weird way. And so that, that's what made it work. Yeah. That's fabulous. I did want to ask, I don't know if you have uh, much to do with this, but I've always heard from creatives that it's actually really hard to make things look a little crappy or a little cheap, like that it's actually hard to nail that. I don't know if you had any thoughts on like how that came across. I, when I was talking about how, you know, Mircha was like, oh, I can't believe that these puppets are terrible. And we're like, no, 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 they're perfect. <laughs> That's exactly what we were saying. Like, they were almost too good for what mm-hmm. we were saying. You know, saying, oh. And he kept finding the perfect props, like that little mini TV that we needed for the one episode. <laughs> And, you know, it was so it was so good that we were almost worried that it was going to ruin the the sort of crafty look. Like, would a scientist really be able to pull off, like, in their spare time, this, <laughs> this kind of magnificent show that they put together with credits and everything? But I, we just went with it after a certain point because it was so good. It was so delicious that we could not. It just, it was working. And when you see it working, you just don't question it. But I think we found that that sweet spot between being as crappy as we wanted it to be and as cool as it needed to be. Um, And I, you know, I have to give Mircha a lot of credit for finding that sweet spot. Yeah. Um, And of course, Clay for coming up with the brilliant explanatory letter that special kids. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and that's a way of explaining Mircha as well. <laughs> that's kind of our own experience with what happened. Someone just stepped forward and said, hey, I have experience with puppets, so... That's so good. That is one of my questions, actually. We could we could just jump to that. I um, so like just to give you <laughs> my own backstory with this, I enjoyed this as one of my favorite elements in the game just from the get go. Uh, it's just, just wonderful and weird and like a hundred percent my what I find entertaining. But what just sealed the deal for me as this being one of my favorite things was finding that letter. Uh, which is like from a parapsychologist who's um, in a shelter or something and just like, oh, I took a community college class uh, to make puppets and uh, this is a great idea to educate uh, now that there's a kid here. Um, I wonder, I wanted to ask a little bit about how far back the sort of in-universe origin story goes uh, for the Threshold Kids and if, if if there's any other detail around that or how did you all kind of come across that as like, oh, this is the best way to present like this existing in the world. Um, well, we knew we had to have an explanation for why we're <laughs> this puppet show. It couldn't just exist with no explanation whatsoever <laughs> because it, it, is, it is genuinely anomalous. Like it, what makes it work so much, I think, is that it doesn't, fit there it doesn't seem to belong with the the rest of the world so why 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 is it there (laughs) Um, and and again I mean Mircha made these really wonderful puppets and like 
the we he was filming the episodes and they were coming out so well and they looked so good and we're like well, how are we going to explain this? I mean, <laughs> this is not a, a, a scientist making a sock puppet out of you know some yarn and some test tubes. I mean, how are we going to justify this? And I, I give Clay Murphy full credit for like I got gotcha. <laughs> and and he he planned out this letter um, to give credit to Mircha as well and to explain why these existed and, and how it would be possible for the show to to take place in the oldest house and it just it was perfect um, so we're like yes nailed it we'll just put that in there then oh that's so good that that does sound like another one of those elements where things kind of came together <laughs> for sure which is rad. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of serendipity to this, honestly. It was just the, the right people who were in the right frame of mind all getting very excited about something. Like, you know, sometimes you're working on things for games and, you know, it's good and it's wonderful, but it's not necessarily your thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the game itself and this particular element just hit a lot of buttons for people and <laughs> we all just lit up. And it, it was, we would watch episodes at the studio um, just to entertain ourselves and tackle <laughs> about it. And, and have a good time. So, yeah, that's that's really great. Um, could you could you elaborate on that a little bit more about how like, yeah, you know, as a writer on a game, narrative designer, narrative lead, um, you you know, you you might be taking a collaborative vision or somebody else's vision. And it does it really does sound like this is this was kind of your baby, like along with the other element, you know, team members who worked on this it was kind of all your baby. Uh, and that does sound like it's a little bit special in game design. Um, it is, especially on these big AAA projects yeah, that you're yeah. doing is, is essentially taking the creative director's vision uh, for Control that was Sam Lake. Um, is that really, the game really is, was a spark in his eye the whole time. And we were just there trying to, to make it real um, and, and make it happen for them to realize this vision in the game. And sometimes you're more or less successful and you get to put bits and pieces of yourself in there, especially as a writer. I mean, you know, like I said, in Death of the Outsider, I could write in characters and yeah. you know, have situations occur to them and, you know, put lines in their mouths. And you, you get to have a lot of control that way. Um, but this in particular, I mean, as the narrative lead, I had a lot to do with shaping the vision for the game and especially for the world. Um, and. I, I got to say this is something I want to have in the game and really fight for it and be taken seriously. Whereas I think if I were, you know, a little bit lower in the hierarchy, they would have just, no, stamped it out in the beginning and, and, and not, you know, had to humor me as long as they did. But I will say that we genuinely did sort of work on it. Um, there was a, a room sort of off in this one wing that wasn't being used a lot. It was a pretty big studio. Yeah. And we set up, that was the puppet room. We set up our studio in there. And we were filming sort of in secret for a little while. And our plan was, we'll just make a few episodes. And then when they see how great they are, then they'll want it in. And that's exactly what happened. Um, so... <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it is fighting for something that you really care about. I I think no one really understood how awesome it could be. Like, I wasn't communicating my vision really well, and it, it took people actually seeing a few episodes um, to to really get what I was going for. But then, then they were sold. Oh, awesome! That's that's such a awesome like success story. That really makes me very happy. Actually, uh, it makes me happy. It makes me happy that you love it and the, yeah. the reaction to it. 
um, has been beyond anything I could have hoped for. I mean, every time I see people going, I'm going to have nightmares for the rest of my life. Why are these kids so horrible and creepy? What have you done to remedy? I'm like, yes, thank you. I, I accept your tribute of tears. Um, wonderful. Of yeah. giant uh, face-sized tears, you know. Yes, giant waxy tears. <laughs> <to me. laughs> awesome. I uh, I just had kind of one more question, which is, I guess it's it's along those lines of of some of this, um, and it, and it just has to do with the fact that like you find that letter, that perfect letter in a shelter, and that just put in my mind like extra detail of like, oh, it's a bored scientist waiting out a building shift, you know, like, oh, I have got a great idea. And I wonder how much, uh, to use the term control, of course, but how much say do you have in like where the episodes were located or, or if you had any, any say at all with like the environment team in terms of like, oh, this would be a perfect room for a secret videotape, that kind of thing. Um, I personally didn't have a lot of say sure. in it. Um, that's more of a, a narrative design thing. Um, sure. So, uh, yeah. So, I mean, we had, we had themes like I, you know, obviously each of the episodes covers a specific item of information. Yeah. So when you're placing them in the world, you want to put that next to something that it can illuminate. Right. Yeah. So you would want that, you would want that house shift one year where there's a house shift or something like that. Um, and you know, if that letter was there in those circumstances, then there is absolutely a reason why it was there. Nice. Is, nothing is placed accidentally in a game. So. <laughs> right. There's no uh, force of nature, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, not in a game like Control anyway. It's all very carefully thought out. Um, yeah. And, and the narrative designers did a fantastic job with that. Nice. Uh, that is that is awesome. It really did, like, chef's kiss yeah. right there for me. That, like, the- <laughs> I'm so glad. Yeah, you should definitely let them know. So what's your favorite episode? I'm curious. Oh, my God. I think uh, where Mr. Mr. Bones is, like, teaching what your um, specialty can be. And Meg is like, what if I don't want the big chair? <laughs> and he's just booming voices like, everyone wants the chair. It's very, like perfect like oh here's here's the education system <laughs> in the world of control like that's oh my god and also you can make your friends go blind that's another great line in that one uh that one is that's oof haunting. isn't it haunting <laughs> yes i think about that a lot like i'll just be looking at someone i'll be like what if i could make you go blind <laughs> yeah. i would never i'm just for the record i would never but i'm going credit to clay murphy for that line that was purely his um yeah he really transformed these you know these rough ideas i had for what the kids should be saying into just i mean the pure poetry that everyone's quoting now so it's it's really great what kind of feeling is it for you to see people just quote these things and and like make that part of their little you know their daily (laughs) not affirmation of course but like the way people you know understand and love things and sort of take things in and and quote them well how does that feel for you when you see like your beautiful creation out there in people's mouths and minds kind of so i've i've been in video games for 15 years now a little bit more um and i've worked on a lot of games that were enormously popular but i don't think that i've ever had a game where they have quoted lines from something that is that deeply personal to me back at me the way I, I've had <laughs> this quoted or have people reference it to me or have them 
send me like you know still images from the the show going oh my god why That's so great. Um, That's all the specific questions I had. If there's anything else you wanted to add, any other like tidbits or Easter eggs or or anything else you wanted to add, I'd I'd be I'd be happy to hear Um, it. On, on Twitter when it yeah. first came out that there was a detail that, that nobody had, had caught and oh. I was really surprised by it um, and then some people mentioned it they're like yeah I noticed that but I don't know what it means and so um, I think I'm very curious to see uh, what Remedy does with my threshold kids in the future because obviously I'm no longer there um, so it'll, it'll be interesting to see where they go um, <sighs> Yeah, I, I mean, I, I wrote, I can say this much, I wrote yeah. many more episodes than are actually in this game. What will become of them, I have no idea. <laughs> so it's possible that at least in some dimension that there will be more episodes of The Threshold Kids. <laughs> um, it is absolutely conceivable, yes. Okay, okay. all right. Well, I, I hope that happens because they are wonderful and I love them. <laughs> Uh, it might be a good question to ask uh, Remedy. Okay. <laughs> I would say. Yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. And if you, I will say if you are interested in learning about the um, the theme song, uh, which uh, I think is hilarious. Yes. Um, and the opening credits, which are wonderful. Um, I would encourage you, and some of the voice acting as well, talk to, to Clay Murphy at, at Remedy, because um, he and I were truly partners in this, um, and they would not be as great as they are without his, his help. Oh, fantastic. Well, that is a very good next point for me to go to then. That uh, In my own threshold kids, oral history, you know, uh, <laughs> basically. But uh, do you, could you, sorry, I guess this is one more question, but sure. do you know what they are saying in the beginning part of the theme song? Because I have listened to it like a hundred times and I still can't quite get it. <laughs> oh, in the, the, like... Come and step into the FBC. Oh, is that? Yeah. There it is. I uh, yeah. I could never quite decipher it. And oh, I have subtitles on, so. Yeah. <laughs> now you can sing along. Yes. One step closer to oneness with the kids. Yes, that is my dream. <laughs> yeah, I think the, the full lyrics, I, I, I saw transcribed somewhere. Um, I'm okay. not sure. They're probably on the, the wiki by now. Okay. Um, but yeah, the theme song for me was just the icing on the cake. It's just perfect for that era. <laughs> And uh, Clay has mentioned that he watched a lot of kids shows to get the the tone just right for those. So extremely good, extremely yeah. extremely good. We might might need to have him on next. So <laughs> yeah, he, he, he's awesome. I, I highly recommend it. He's great. Awesome. 
Well, Anna, thank you so, so much. This has been honestly extremely, extremely fun. I I love the game. I love the Threshold Kids. Uh, it's been so good to hear about uh, how they were made, how they came to be. And it sounds like a really good, like, success story, really, which makes me extremely happy. So, yeah. Yeah, well, thanks for letting me talk about them. Anytime, I assure you, I'm happy to talk about them. Awesome.